0: Welcome to the latest edition of All's Caps with former Capitals defenseman Carl Osner. I'm AP hockey writer Steve Wino. We'll be joined by Bleacher Report and Elite Prospects Abby Mistraco later. Uh, she'll be on doing Carl's stupid questions. Uh, but first, Carl, uh, what, what, let's talk about Nick Backstrom. Let's talk about apples getting thrown on the ice and and what might be the high point of the season for the Capitals the other night.
1: Yeah, no kidding. I mean, everybody loves when when Nick does something special. You know, it's nice when he makes a reaches a milestone and he had a pretty nice turnout of, of family and friends and stuff that, that were at the game. I know Green, Mike Green, was there too. Yep. And so it's nice to see, uh, you know, some of the old crew, the old band get back together, I guess you could say. And, and, uh, and yeah, have him, have him reach something. Cause you know, as we've talked about many times, he's uh, you know, there's a, there's Patrick Kane and there's Sidney Crosby and other guys that can, that can make these plays and pass the puck better than nick backstrom but uh you know i i i tend to disagree with that so yeah it was it was a highlight it was kind of a a fun it's almost like when the rats get thrown on in florida it's kind of a something different and fun i i enjoyed that a lot were you there no i wasn't there i i thought about it but timing just didn't really work out for us so i didn't go but you were there right
0: how far can you throw an apple like how how far would you be able to throw one of those those squishy apples?
1: Probably over top of the mountains that I can see right here. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. Honestly. Are you are you are you in Vancouver right now? No 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 we're we're still in in uh, in DC. I was just making a silly Napoleon Dynamite reference, but I, I don't know I don't know how far <laughs> I could throw one of those things. But I'm sure people are probably launching them back and forth, eh?
0: Yeah, and and look, they were the squishy ones, so like it wasn't gonna hurt anybody. This wasn't like throwing batteries or or like the wristbands or whatever. It wasn't gonna hurt anybody to throw a a squishy apple. No, not at all. It's kind of fun,
1: actually. I would be trying to. It's like the teddy bear toss, and you're sitting in the second row. You want to try and throw it and get somebody down below, and then hopefully they they launch it over for you. But no, it was pretty cool. Did you did you end up
0: getting some? I I don't have one. No, I don't. You know, I I need to get my hands on one. I got. I have a John Carlson bobblehead though that I need to, to give away to someone. I I do. So if you want, you want, you want the Carly bobblehead. <laughs>
1: I'll it's, try and find some first. If I can't find any, then I'll come knocking.
0: Yeah, I, I was just like, I, I keep asking people, like, do you, do you want this bobblehead? I mean, it was right after the, the Jamie Ben thing, but like, he's he's fine. John's fine. All good. Um, but two wins in a row for the, for this team, Carl. Like, I, I know it's the ebbs and flows of a season. We're recording this a few hours before the Carolina game, but w- what do you make of, of kind of how this team is playing right now? Connor McMichael is our, our guest, Connor McMichael at center. And just how, how they, they've looked even with Nick down and, and TJ Oshie out for a little bit.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just been so up and down there. I think they want a little bit more consistency. I think everybody would like to see a little more consistency, especially this time of the year. Like, you know, you, you want to, you want to start stringing a few wins together and two, two wins together. Isn't, isn't enough, you know, no. like there, there's been some, some good games, some bad games. There's been a lot of four, three games, just like, I think like, what is it? Three of the last five mm-hmm. games have been four three, which is kind of. Yes. kind of funny but yeah you, you want to you just need to see a little bit more consistency it's nice to see ob scoring as much as he is though because that's kind of what's getting the people all fired up so so that is a bonus but but yeah this time of year like you know i know it's been a struggle and trying to trying to make everybody kind of fit fit into their uh their lines and, and grow some chemistry but but yeah we need i mean it should be more like you know three wins one loss you know four wins one loss instead of two 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 or whatever it's been
0: yeah, and it's almost like like Pierre Laviolette has an embarrassment of riches now. If Connor McMichael can play center in the NHL, like what do you do in playoff time? And it, and it might mean Connor coming out of the lineup because you want to play Bashim Kuznetsov, Eller, and Dowd. But you now know that if you have an injury to one of those four guys, Connor McMichael can play there.
1: Well, yeah, and that, it's it's going to happen, right? It's it, the, the teams that teams that go through playoffs that have no injuries usually are the ones that end up winning or at least going to the end. It seems like so. If you can get through it without having those injuries, then great. But yeah, you you need to have have as much as possible and and it's that's a position you know I guess it's kind of a position that you can switch in and out when you have to depending on depending on who's going and and even the team you're playing you know sometimes you do see that where where a coach will switch out someone on the third or fourth line or whatever just for some momentum or different different looks and with more speed or more size whatever it is so so yeah it's it's uh it's something that that it's nice to have and that's kind of what you're hoping for and we said it would have been nice to have some Some something extra on the back end but uh at least you got it up front
0: (laughs) yeah and 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 Brian McClellan mentioned this like if Vanacek stays healthy if the top six on defense stays healthy this team can can do a lot if one of those guys on the back end gets hurt and you don't have that the top six then it's going to get a little dice
1: yeah absolutely and so well I guess we'll see we'll see what happens but you know what something interesting I didn't talk to you about this before but I got a question on uh on Twitter um somebody finally asked me just I've had it a lot, but I guess it it seems so normal to me, but they asked how, how do you know, how do players know when to change on the ice? (laughs) And like the changing on the fly thing is, I guess it's a, it's a big thing. I this guy actually thought that maybe we had earpieces in and that the coach would yell and say, Hey, time, time to get off the ice.
0: It's amazing how little of that there is actually.
1: So that, that was the other thing too. I'm like, why, why don't, you know, every line they have your pieces with their line mates. Every D partner has it with their D partner. Like that'd be kind of an interesting, interesting thing to have so that you can give them a heads up and let them know where you are. Like, imagine all the no look passes. That would happen. It would be kind of sweet. <laughs> I, so, actually, I, mean,
0: I like, I like it without it because I almost feel like too much technology and too much data can like, it takes the fun out of it. Like it's like, it is fun. Like, and I know this is not a good memory for you guys, but it was a bad change that led to the the lightning game winning goal in that series in 2011 over time. And it was just somebody changed wrong. I think it was Roman Hammerleck, maybe, who, who got yeah. like like he changed at the wrong time, opened the door. Like mistakes is like we watch sports and, and so many of the rule changes, like the no changes after ice. No line changes after icing and everything is designed for making guys tired to make mistakes. Right. Like, like yeah. that's part of the human element of the game to me.
1: Yeah, that's yeah, that's exactly it. You, you do want those mistakes. I guess it's just. It would be a, a, an interesting way to game it, you know. Like I'm always thinking yeah. of a way to win. You're always looking for that <laughs> that extra edge of like, yeah, if we could put put a headset in and, and talk to your partner, that would be uh, would be kind of sweet. But it, to get back to that line change thing, yeah, yeah, I guess it'd be it'd be interesting. Nice to nice to mention it for for anybody who is curious. Um, but just the way that line changes work is it's simple. As you're supposed to be there for between 30 and 45 seconds, it's kind of the ov the ov
0: ov is like a minute and fifteen. But go on.
1: Yes. His, his, his time is in, is in, uh, what is it? Rubles? What are they yeah, using? Yeah, uh, yes. yes. <laughs> it's a few extra the, sh- the
0: exchange rate on, on Alex Ovechkin's, uh, uh, <laughs> sh- a shift time to you guys a little different.
1: Exactly. So, so yeah, ideally 30 to 45 seconds, you know, like you're supposed to be going as hard as you can. And, and at that point is when you start getting, getting a little winded, you're also changing depending on, on where the puck is in play. You know, if you've, if you've played in the offensive zone and then you've played in the defensive zone and then you have a chance to go offensive, you're like, you're kind of weighing, weighing your options there. You don't want to get stuck in another transition. So maybe you change. You're also changing because you've seen your line mates change. Or another thing is for matchups, which people don't always realize. Like I, there was lots of times where I know I would take 20 second shifts because I would get out there maybe a little bit late and my matchup would change and, and you just get off the ice. So the, the whole a lot of times the key is you, you want to keep your average under 45 seconds because occasionally your coach will come in in between periods and rip everybody who's over over 45 seconds. So if you can add in a few five-second shifts every now and then, just get out there for a face-off and, and change, that's always a nice thing. But, there's yeah, there's a lot of things that go into to a line change, and you just kind of know. It. Occasionally your coach will yell at you when you're on the ice too, and you'll get a stick tap or something like that from the bench. So, yeah, I guess it's one of those things that you, I, I never really thought of, but it's uh, maybe hard to understand
0: it's a lot of yelling. It it really just actually is just a lot of yelling at the time. Yeah, there's a
1: lot of, and and like you said, with the bad change with, with, uh, with, if it was Hammer, um, you know, you have to change in the right position. Like guys sometimes are just like, yeah, I'm tired. I'm coming off right now. And next thing you know, a puck's turned over or, or a forward doesn't get a puck in because there's maybe a little bit, you know, there isn't enough awareness of how long his defense partners have been out there for. And, and instead of you know going hard dump hard dump, they just kind of flip it in and it gets knocked down. And next thing you know, you have an odd man rush or something like that. So yeah, it's one of the little quirks of the game that that um, need to get better. And some coaches, to be honest, they don't uh, they don't give you the line combinations or who's up next quick enough. And if someone doesn't just jump or two guys decide to jump, next thing you know, you got you got too many men. So yeah, I guess it is one of the the uh, the interesting things with with hockey.
0: Yeah. And it's just amazing how, look, it's just literally like, like Pete, like Kevin McCarthy or whatever, will just tap TJ on the shoulder. You're, you guys are going next. Like, and it's just, yeah. and then there's so much science and thought that goes into it to where when it comes, when it comes down to it, it's just, okay, you're, you're, you're going now. That's it. Yeah. Oh yeah. And if, and if, so
1: if TJ feels a tap, you only have to tap one guy, then TJ will yell out, you know, I have, you know, whoever he's going to take Um, say, I don't even know. Say so he's say, I got Tom. And then he, then his line mates know, okay, TJ's going, I'm going too. And then they'll say, okay, I got so-and-so or whatever. And and next thing you know, they, they come off, someone yells, right, right. And the right wing jumps over the boards. That's, that's all it is. Or even, even teams will do it so that um, you always want your, you know, whoever's going to the far side. So if, if the left side of the ice is the far side, the left defenseman will always jump first just so you can get over there and then switch. So yeah, there's, I guess there's a lot that, that, that's happening behind the scenes and, you know, it'd be, it'd be fun actually just to, at, at some point do just, uh, I guess the rules of hockey. Someone can write in, if everyone wants to write in on Twitter or Instagram, whatever it is, yeah, what, what for, questions uh, do you have? Right. Yeah. Rule explanations. We'll try and help you out and and uh, explain something if we can.
0: How, how much of a difference also is the long change? Like when you're, when you're, when you're, and when you're in, hemmed in your zone and you, your benches at the other side, that makes a big difference, right?
1: Yeah, it really does. That's when you have to be extra careful, especially as a forward too, to to make sure that those pucks are getting in. and And the forwards can kind of change when the puck is coming into the D zone. It's it's a little you know, less risky than it, right. as as if a defenseman is. So usually you'll see like one winger will stay on the far side and just try and stop any quick ups. If you play against a goalie that that can play the puck, like you know, I remember like a, a Ben Bishop or a Mike Smith or Braden Holtby, those guys yep. that can get the puck and fire it right away you always got to keep a guy on that side and try and let your defenseman change. And then, and then you get everybody out fresh. And then, and then that winger can change a little bit later. So, so yeah, that is a real thing. And it's something you do in your pre-scout when you know a goalie that can play the puck.
0: Do you know what your average shift time was throughout your career? I'm trying to, I, I can't, I can't find it. I will look it up after we're, we're <laughs> done here.
1: Throughout my career, I'm not positive, but I was usually always under 50 kind of like I okay. said, 30 to 45 is ideal, but you, you like, it's, a, it's a, you have to be under 50. <laughs> so I think I was, If I had to guess, I'd be probably be forty six to forty seven seconds is where I'd like to hover. But sometimes you get stuck out. Like if you play special teams, you get stuck out on the PK, and it kind of drives it up a little bit. So, so yeah, that's ideal. But you know, like if you're going hard, like you can't be out there for more than forty five seconds. If you're in your D zone or whatever, that's that. And that's that was probably one of the things that bugs me a little bit too about some of the advanced stats is like, you know, could could you go out there and you you finally work so hard to get the puck out of your D zone? can I go out there and and finish this playoff offensively and, and maybe get a shot on that or be a part of a play? I could, but I'd be gassed on the way back. So I'm not going to risk it. Right. So maybe I I get off. Like, I remember it happened a lot. My first year in Montreal, we had a young guy, Victor Mete, who I would change for him all the time. We're both lefties. I'd play in the D zone. I'd come off. Meat would go on just as we'd be scoring or something like that. And he would come back to the bench to try and give me the plus. And I'd be like, dude, it all works itself out in the (laughs) end. We, We should be okay. And I think that, I think he got probably, you know, between five and ten extra pluses that year, just from from us changing me and him doing the exchange. So it's just one of those weird, weird stats and weird weird thing that's happened.
0: The unfortunate part is Claude Julien and JJ Daniel actually paid attention to that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know what they paid attention to, honestly. That's fair enough. Uh, <laughs> There's a me... funny. Hold on, well, I gotta <laughs> no, no, no. got tell you this before you go. Okay. Before you go, I I have to say this. We had we had one guy, Brett Lernout, who uh, who's from Winnipeg but spoke French and uh we were on the bench the one time and uh he had just got called up and i and claude was saying something in french um to to jj and it was you know i'm sure i and in fact i'm positive he was chirping the d and uh he he came down to say something in french and and then uh uh, brett lerno he was listening and you he could hear jj say hey this one speaks French. So don't, don't do that.
0: <laughs> and then next thing you know,
1: it didn't, didn't happen anymore when Lernie was on the bench. Cause, uh, cause we always knew what was going
0: on. So they were shit talking you in French because you did to you guys because you, they thought you didn't speak French.
1: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Good times. Oh, eh?
0: Oh, I'm sure you have way more of those stories too. Oh yeah. There's, oh, well, there's, there's lots. When we do our bottle kill episode at some point, we'll be telling some of those stories. Uh, yeah, stay tuned for season. the, Stay tuned for that one. When we come back on All caps, uh, we'll have Bleacher Report and Elite Prospects Abby Mistraka.
1: It's only a kick. <laughs> a <Pressure>. jump. <laughs> a block. It's only a serve. <laughs> it's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas.
0: Welcome back to All of Caps with former capitalist defenseman Carl Osner. I'm AP hockey writer Steve Wino, and happy to be joined by Bleacher Report and Elite Prospect's Abby Mastracko. And congratulations, Abby is, is wearing her, her, her Kansas hoodie as, as we speak right now. Congratulations to your Kansas Jayhawks on, on not choking in the Elite Eight and getting yeah. to the Final Four.
2: <laughs> Rock talk Jayhawk. It's about time they're back in the Final Four.
0: And 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 this is a ridiculous final four. You, we were just talking. I'm going to New Orleans for take a couple of vacation days to just kind of soak up the atmosphere. Uh, uh, Mike maniscalco from the the Hurricanes uh, just gave me a list of places to go in New Orleans. Uh, it, this this weekend's going to be insane, right?
2: It's four blue bloods. I mean, these are yeah. like these are four of the elites in college basketball. So like, you're going to have some pretty crazy fans. That's for sure. I mean philly kansas the carolinas like that you got that duke north carolina rivalry it's in in new orleans like of all places too i mean it's not like sports writers like to party or anything like it's not like college basketball coaches college basketball coaches like to party or anything like that
0: yeah go ahead carl
1: i was gonna say didn't wasn't everybody all fired up because the last game unc and duke played was supposed to be like the last game that they played with uh
0: yes with coach k yeah
1: with coach k now they have another one so everybody's Everybody can get one more in them if possible.
0: Abby, I think, I think if your Kansas Jayhawks pull this off, I'm second place in our, in our bracket pool. So I'm okay with that, Carl. Who, who you got, UNC, Duke, Nova, or Kansas?
1: I mean, I'm, I got to go with UNC because, because of our friend Pay Sagaster. I mean,
0: oh yeah, he'd,
1: he'd be pissed if I didn't say that. <laughs> Although I did start out as a Duke fan because I had chickenpox back in grade six or grade seven. And I watched an entire tournament. Duke won that year. And so I remember thinking, yeah, Duke's my team. And then, and then I got my first ever UNC jersey, like probably a year or two after that. And I'm like, yeah, I'm switching. So I'm a UNC guy now. So that's uh, that's who I'm cheering for.
0: Thank you for Sorry. reminding me to text Pace and, and ask him yeah. if he's going to be in New Orleans because I'm a bad influence. So uh, just add somebody else. To the you? <laughs> Never.
1: <laughs> are you uh, really, No? I didn't know that. Good to know.
0: I, we're, I mean, were we not together the, the, the one night at, a, at World of Beer? You know, you know, you can be a bad influence and I can be a bad influence. <laughs>
1: that's usually a good partnership or we can or, or it's bad for everybody else that's around. I, I usually try it like I'm, I would like to say I'm a pretty responsible, uh, pretty responsible drinker when I'm out. And I know I know what my limits are and I know when to start pushing everything to somebody else instead of <laughs> doing it myself. My wife hates me for that, but <laughs> hey, you, you got to be smart about it. You don't want to, you, you don't want to overdo it. So we'll, we'll see if we can drag someone under with us one time.
0: Yeah. Abby and I've had a few 4 a.m. near the Madison square garden nights. A few of those.
2: <laughs> oh, RIP Foley's. Foley's was the greatest.
0: Uh, no, the, the, you know what? I think our best night, and, and this was recent. This was the hurricane night in, in Tampa. It was the C- cup finals in Tampa. The yeah. hurricane's coming. And it's a bunch of us at, at a bar, not far from the hotel. Until the storm really starts, and I think Abby and I basically like were waiting out the hurricane, drinking in the hotel lobby, watching the doors like blow open, and we had had yeah. seven thousand beers at that point. I think over under.
2: Yeah, and Frank Saravali got lost in the hotel.
0: Oh, Frank! Frank had Frank. Frank was eight margaritas in. I think. At that. I, I don't think he's going to mind me saying that. And but, but to
2: sudden, to his credit, that hotel like was a little bit confusing. It was. And it's an old federal courthouse that they turned into a hotel, which was great because they said it was, it was hurricane awesome. proof.
0: It was the but, safest, her, it was safest hotel in Tampa.
2: Yeah. They said it was the safest place downtown. So we got everyone else to stay there. But like Frank was, just, Frank had put his phone in his pocket and he was playing music. And we kept listening to see like, okay, Frank sort of found his way back. No, no, no. The, the music's getting louder again. Frank's wandering back over this way. Frank was <laughs> legitimately lost like <laughs> 20 minutes in this hotel. But I think everybody got lost in that hotel.
0: Probably, we will have Frank on at some point, and he can tell his side of the story. <laughs> uh, Amazing, so, he needs to defend. Uh, so, just a hockey, just more job stuff. How are how how are you kind of doing this delicate balance? I know you do some baseball stuff as well, uh, but between hockey for elite prospects, hockey for for Bleacher Report, how are you kind of handling the balance of all that in hockey season now that baseball has gone?
2: Oh, you know, the lockout was actually the lockout was somewhat good for me because. I didn't do any baseball for a couple months at all. Like right. I was having to pay attention obviously and follow it. Um, I, I have been helping out with a podcast here and there called locked on Yankees, but I'm, I'm not, you know, doing it like full time by any means. So right. the, the lockout was like, it was frustrating because just watching baseball continually shoot itself in the foot. Yep, it, it, It's frustrating. It's, it's, you know, and I had players and I had scouts that were texting me and in touch with me being like, hearing their frustration and hearing this is the sport that they love. This is the sport that a lot of us love. And just watching, you know, these, these rich old men in charge, sort of <laughs> sort of telling us that they, they don't have any money. And we see the sport going downhill. It was kind of, it was scared. To, it was scary to see like baseball could be relegated to a niche sport and it could have been had, had the lockout not lifted. If we were still, if baseball was still locked out, we'd have a, the sport would really be, facing the barrel of a gun right now. Uh, it, it, you know, it saved itself at zero hour, didn't prevent anybody from tanking, but I don't think anybody was under any pretenses that that new CBA would, in fact, prevent tanking. So I was able to focus pretty much on hockey for a few months, which was different. I haven't done that since I was a beat writer a couple of years ago. And even then I still balanced baseball. I was doing baseball columns for the Bergen record when I was on the devil's beat. So you uh, in the summer, it'll be easier, I'll just jump on baseball, but for now, it's like, I watch hockey most of the time every night, you know? I try, I a few nights a week, I set aside to do the West Coast games because I know I'm going to stay up later. I know it, I'll, I'll watch the West Coast games, um, I'll sort of like circle a few that I really need to see, a few teams that I really want to watch and base my like next morning, my morning meetings and stuff on, on when I can get around to watching West Coast games and Then once opening day starts, I'll be out at Yankees opening day, Mets opening day. I'll see the Tom Seaver statue, and next week I'll I'll be pretty busy writing a few more. But then it's it's going to be mostly hockey until the end of the Stanley Cup final and and the end of the draft. And I'll jump Montreal, of course. Montreal, that'll be a fun one. So it's definitely like it's a lot to follow. It's sixty something teams that I have to follow. And I'm not always I drop the ball sometimes on it. You know, I can't sure. I I can't say that I know what's going on with like the Cincinnati Reds. Why would you? They're tanking. I know that much. Uh, but like, you know, I'm probably not going to watch a Kansas City Royals, Detroit Tigers, April game. I'm going to try and follow some of the the ones that might have more of a chance to make some noise. And
0: I'd be worried about you if you did. Yeah. I'd be Yeah.
2: So it's a lot to balance, but like every time somebody's told me to pick a lane with the two sports, I don't, I don't because I don't think I have to, and I, I like sort of having one foot in both sports, and I've got a primary focus right now, which is the NHL, but I can still sort of be in that baseball world, and I like it that way.
1: Yeah, <clears throat> I was gonna say Abby, I was looking at some of the uh, the articles that you've done in the past, and I, what I like is like they're kind of there's some like specialty ones. Like I was reading the the one that you have on the winter classic dream dream locations and stuff. And I anybody who hasn't read it yet needs needs to read it because it, it just brings up so many thoughts. And I had I was thinking this just the other day too how unbelievable a national mall caps pens game yeah. would be like you know like they did the Tahoe one with no fans and it was just and it was uh you know just aired like I feel like that could be done on the national mall. Like that would just be just like it's just the epic picture, you know. Same thing when when the Caps won the Cup and you get the epic pictures of of uh, the Capitol Building in the background, like that. That that to me would be so sweet. But of of all those ones, Abby, which one which one did you think was would be the most intriguing or the best scene in your opinion?
2: I love Banff. I love Lake Louise. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I didn't grow up like playing pond hockey. I grew up in California, so working in hockey now and visiting, you know, places like. Alberta and like British Columbia and even like people in Winnipeg are so so welcoming and it's just such a different scene than what I was used to I I came up covering hockey in southern California that's so different so like (laughs) I love going to these outdoor games now and getting sort of. A different experience than one that I ever, uh, things that I never experienced growing up in, on the West Coast. And I just have, my, every time I'm in Alberta, I make it a point to go to Banff and Lake Louise. And I would love to see a game staged somewhere in that region. I mean, I don't know that you can actually do it like on the lake for safety reasons, but somewhere near there, I just think like somewhere in the Rockies would be such a great visual because the Winter Classic and these outdoor games really are about the visual. You've got to oh, yeah. consider the TV aspect. Yeah, there's the fan, you do, Tahoe was sort of a money dump. They needed a way to do like social distance, but you could bring in risers somehow and it might be a smaller crowd, but it's about TV visuals. And I think somewhere in in the Canadian Rockies like that would be spectacular.
0: Carl, you know that Ted Leonsis has done Focus studies on trying to do the national mall game. He's done this. Oh. Like it like long ago, what back before you guys played play the NAS Park game, he wanted to do the National Mall. But now that we have a blueprint from Tahoe, I actually think it can happen.
1: I think so. Yeah, I think so too. I think that would be and like you said Abby, like just bring in some bleachers and you know, yeah, okay. So so maybe you have to raise the price of some of the tickets in order to, you know, balance some of the costs. But I don't think you you have to worry nearly about as much about the uh the rink maintenance when it's on a pond, you mm-hmm. know, like So, so you cut down on some of the stuff that they have to do to set up a a baseball field rink or a a football field rink because you have ice right there. But, but yeah, just logistically, I mean, I think it needs to happen. Like I, I think the players would love it. I think they would sign on, on, on that. You can, you can still get all the sponsorship stuff that you need to need to get done. Like you said, it's just about the visual and that's, that's what people will go back to for years if, if they can get it done. So I think that would be really cool. I love the mall. But the other one that really intrigued me was Alcatraz. And yeah, <laughs> I, like that would that would be wild too. I, would, I don't know how the heck they would do that exactly, but let's get a jail. The the, the maybe the two the two baddest teams in the NHL to go play in, in, in Alcatraz would be sweet. The highest the two with the most penalty minutes the highest <laughs> teams we get to go. Yes. I think that would yeah. be awesome. <laughs> Mandatory couple fights too. It'd be, yeah. imagine <laughs> the penalty box too. If it had like jail cell Confused bars, it'd it it yeah. be amazing. Right. <laughs> that was actually,
2: that's <laughs> such a great idea. Yeah. You got to put bars on the penalty box.
1: Yes, exactly. So anyways, <laughs> I, I just like that. I like, I like that you do that with the articles. I think it, yeah, I'd assume it's kind of fun because you get to think outside the box with that. And, if, and just like the just like the obi one, like that's, um, you know, it, it, if I was ever to do, you know, what, what you guys do, I would love to have that option, you know, being able to go out there. And and, and do you find that, that it's, it's more fun doing doing stories like that?
2: Yeah, it's been a good challenge to do like more like features in enterprise because for the last decade I was just doing games. I was doing deadline game stories. I was doing notebooks, morning skate lineups. And, you know, it does keep you focused and engaged and like you learn a lot doing it that way. But this has been a really good challenge to think outside the box and find some different stories, but then also like learn how to report some of these different stories. The, like one that stands out that I did last year, I did a story on Gritty. Like, I saw that. I'm sure Lina will like that one, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, we, COVID access has been so difficult. Every team yeah. is, has different access <laughs> rules right now, which can be challenging. Some teams are still all on Zoom. Some teams aren't. So I was trying to think like, how can I, how can I even like go outside the rink for a story like this? And I don't know how my editor and I were just talking and it was like, what if we just did a story on gritty? Everybody loves gritty. I don't, I don't think I even had an angle. I was just talking to people within the flyers organization. And I was like, you know, what makes, (laughs) what makes him special? What makes him weird? And what was like sort of the, what is the reaction that you guys get about gritty? And I don't even know how the story came together, but it did. Like I had, I don't know that even had a focus, but I was intrigued by social distance gritty. <laughs> so,
0: and you, and, and you did the story and, and talked to Carl for this story about Alex Ovechkin that yeah. they promoted on, on the broadcast. And, and every story has its challenges, but how did that one all come together for you?
2: We wanted to write something. Ovi was in the news with, his, with the chase for Gretzky's record. Uh, he'd been scoring a lot. You know, he was named captain of the Metro team. So we felt like we needed to do, Something and I was lucky enough to work for. I'm lucky enough to work for some really great editors who sort of just trust that I'm going to find an angle and and get it. And I had just sort of like free reign to do whatever I wanted on Ovi. And I went to DC for a few days, spent a few days around his teammates, talking to some fans, talking to you, Carl, and uh, so former teammates. And I talked to George McPhee, and it just. I was talking to a lot of people about just what it's like to be around him and his presence because he's such a different figure in hockey. He's not your typical captain, you know? He's, he's his own person and he's his own personality and he has his own leadership. So I, again, I didn't really have, I think I went down and I, my intention was to like talk about, my intention was to find like, what, what, like what's behind this chase, like what's driving him. And in the end, I got a lot of really good stories from people. And I think they did speak to sort of his competitive nature and how much he still loves hockey. And ultimately, that's kind of what's still driving him.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, I think it's it's I, I feel like it's so interesting because, you know, the, the I think it's part of the Russian culture is is legacy, right, too. Like that's you want to leave something behind. And and I think you what your line was like the unbreakable record, right? Like there's. Yeah. There's very few records that we think of as unbreakable and that, that being one of them. And if you have an opportunity and you still love the game and still able to play like, like this, it's so exciting to have a, have a shot at something like that. And I, I just think that it's uh, it's, it's one of the neat things that, you know, at some point we all will kind of sit back and, and think, wow, it was pretty sweet to cover that or pretty sweet to be around and involved. when when that happens and, and just to go and just touch on the uh, leadership, um, his leadership style. I feel like, I feel like his leadership style is maybe a little bit more common now than it was than say Chris Clark before him, you know, like those guys are complete opposite leaders, um, complete opposite roles on the team. And I feel like, I feel like him, him being captain was, is kind of the start of maybe a bit of a shift because there's been, been some guys that obviously are great leaders, Jonathan Tays, Sidney Crosby. But then there's been some other guys that have been kind of thrust into that role who, maybe haven't quite fit the bill like uh some other ones. And so yeah, it's kind of neat to get get everybody's opinion on it. And you know, I'm I'm not sure if any of those opinions really stuck out to you, but but it'd be it'd be neat to neat to hear what everybody says.
2: Well that's where he's so impactful because he he's sort of like ushering in this new era of of what of captains, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think it was Tom Wilson. He was just so in awe of like OV and his demeanor and like he was so he just had such great things to say about what it's like to be around Ovi and like how just his influence like affects the locker room. And like, I, I remember way back in 2008, I was covering the U S open at Tory Pines, right. It was tiger and Rocco's Monday round. Yep. And I remember when tiger walked into the media room after that, they didn't announce it. He walked in early. Everybody just slowly turns and like sees him. And I just watch everyone's head turning at the same time. And it's that presence that you just sort of like, it's like magnetic. You feel it when he's in the room. Not everybody sees that on a TV broadcast. Not everybody even sees that from the stands. So that's something that I've always tried to like capture when it comes to people like, like Alex Ovechkin, who has such a different presence that not everybody understands unless you're around it. So how can I have how can I get the fans to see you know have some insight into what it's like to be around him in the locker room?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and Carl, I don't know if this is I don't I don't know when this shift happened, but I remember when I covered you guys daily, it was almost like guys got tired of being asked about Ovi. And and would get a little salty about it. There's one particular former teammate of yours. I know that I don't want to single him out, but it's like if you if someone walked up to him who didn't know and was like, Can you talk about Alex Ovechkin? He would just do this sigh and be like, Yeah, okay, fine. But now it feels like everybody people love
2: him. talking <laughs> about
0: him. Yeah, I mean that I means winning the Stanley Cup obviously does that, but it seems like there's almost been like a reverence around Alex now that teammates are eager to talk about him and his evolution and how uh, how much of a leader he is, right?
1: Yeah. Well, I, I, I think there was a shift the year they won the cup, even yes. halfway through that halfway through that year. I think there was a shift where it was like uh, you know, let's not go down this road again. Cause I know the season that the regular season that year wasn't going according to plan. I know some of the guys were a little upset with uh, with how they were performing, how things were um, just around the rink. And then all of a sudden something clicked and, and it worked, and, and we saw saw what he did on the ice, you know, blocking shots, the back checking, just being in all all the right areas. And you know, I don't know exactly what was going on in the room in between periods and stuff, but there was there was something different, and and that's what they all said too. Because I I just remember clearly, I go back to this to this uh, this moment. It was the the season before or two season before I think, where we were playing Pittsburgh, and there was one play in particular where Sid. Just back check 200 feet, killed a play in front of their own net, came back and then ended up tapping one in back door um, to score a goal. And I, and I remember just thinking like, holy smokes, like this guy is a different player. He's, he's already good in the regular season, but he is a different player in the playoffs. And I remember just thinking like, man, that is that's the next level right there. Like when, when you can turn something on and be that effective. And I think that's what, I think that's what Ovi did the next year because for sure it, 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 he was a monster. Like it was wa- yeah. watching him play. I remember, I remember tapping Mandy. We're watching one of the games. And I'm like, do you see what he's doing out there? Like this guy is, this, this, he's taking over this playoffs right now. Him and Kuzi were taking it over and, and you just need to have something click all of a sudden. And I think that he had a shift whether or not he actually did it. It seemed like it. And I don't know if that was something that people talked to him about or, or what it was, but yeah, it was, it was pretty clear to me at least.
0: Yeah, and, and and I I had a vote in that for the con Smite that year. And I know Kuznetsov was leading scorer. To me, it was Al Saveshkin who who was driving the bus during that, that playoff run. Um, when we come back on all's caps with Abby Mistrako, uh, we will she will be the latest victim of Carl's stupid question. Jewelry
2: isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it.
0: Welcome back to All's Caps. I'm AP hockey writer Steve Wino with former Capitals defenseman Carl Alsner and elite prospect and, uh, and Bleacher reports, Abby Mistracco. And now for Carl's favorite portion of the show, Carl's stupid questions.
1: Yes, here we go. Okay. So we quickly went over what the, uh, how this game works. So I don't have to do it again. And everyone listening should know at this point. Um, okay. So there's six questions. We're going to start off with this one right here. Um, do you know what the latest you've ever had to stay up before to meet a deadline?
2: meet a deadline yeah i was at yankee stadium until 4 30 in the morning during the playoffs in 2017 because my editor threw two other stories on me and it just blew up our entire content plan that I, we had arranged with like our two other writers and our columnists and they the two writers had to go get flights early in the morning Uh, I was staying in New York. I was not traveling with the Yankees and I was at Yankee stadium until four 30 in the morning. And it was really bad because I was covering the Mets at the time. The next day I had to go stake out, um, the Omni hotel because the Mets were interviewing Alex Cora for their managerial position. So I went back to my apartment in downtown Manhattan. I put myself down. I took like an hour nap. I showered, I went to the Omni and I got like nothing. Like I saw, the owners and I saw Alex Cora and they wouldn't comment. And I was like, "Great." <laughs> <I got> tired. <laughs>
1: but you put the effort in, though. So yeah. they don't—they don't kick you out of the stadium at four 30 in the morning. They, the the U- security guard
2: just felt bad for me.
1: <laughs> oh, really?
2: My editor was so mean.
1: <laughs> oh, that's too bad. <laughs> well, you don't everybody, everybody,
2: everybody knows who this editor is. A lot of people know who he is in the industry. He—he, he, it's fine. I don't work for him anymore. It's okay. There's, you know. Maybe there's mutual respect. Maybe there's not. I don't know. Maybe he doesn't respect me, but.
0: <laughs> Look, this is a podcast of crushing your, this <laughs> is a podcast where we crush people who are bad to us, whether that's former coaches, <laughs> former bosses. If you're bad to, if you're bad to us, we will crush you.
2: There's, I mean, people know who he is. I don't, Yeah. he's well-known in the industry and <laughs> I, I don't work for him anymore. And I have nothing but good things to say about the people that I work for now. I'm very lucky to work for who I work for now.
1: Absolutely. Oh, that's good. All right. Um, okay. What's your favorite meal of the day? Breakfast, lunch, or dinner? Breakfast. Okay. Perfect. I'm a big and breakfast person. What's your ideal breakfast then?
2: Uh, this, my West Coast is showing here, but a breakfast burrito.
1: Oh, breakfast burrito. Actually, yeah. those are pretty popular at our house. Are you, too. A, br- are
0: you, are you a brunch person? Oh, yeah. Just uh, did, had a lovely brunch yesterday with, uh, with, with Sam Pell and, and Sarah Sivian. Unconventional diner. The next time you're in DC, great spot for brunch. Nice. Yes, what do you put on brunch. the breakfast burrito?
2: What do I put on a breakfast burrito? Um, okay, so my college boyfriend's grandma taught me how to make refried black beans, along like Chipotle black beans a long time ago. And I make them like every week and even my roommates will eat them too. So I put um, black beans, scrambled eggs, usually some um, peppers and onions, maybe some potatoes if I have them, cheese and hot sauce, tapatio, gotta go tapatio, um, avocado. So it's like a, it's a, loaded burrito there (laughs) but i do this i do this on most most mornings
1: perfect yeah that's what i was curious if you went hot sauce on there because that's uh, a couple extra points tapatio
2: i carry tapatio (laughs) packets with me when i travel
1: (laughs) well played you know what it's funny that my it makes me think well that one of the nice things about i think carrying a purse for for women is is what you can carry with you. And my mom was always so funny because she had everything in her purse. Like I remember one time after a hockey tournament, I was so hungry. And I said that to her, she's like, Oh, dig in her purse. And she had a chicken finger, just one chicken finger in her purse. I'm like, Oh, sweet. I mean, it'd be nice to have like ketchup or something. She's like, Oh, I, I got ketchup. Pulls out ketchup, <laughs> knife and fork, everything. I'm like, man, he, I would. I, I wish I could carry around stuff like that. But hot sauce would be something I would carry with me. So mm-hmm. uh, no, a- Abby, knows,
0: a- Abby knows this, Carl. But our buddy Scott Burnside wears uh, a, a Merce. Uh, yeah. A, like a, he, ha- he has a bag like that. Uh, and we make fun of him constantly for it.
1: But he loves thing. He loves it. <laughs> hey, it's convenient when you have that extra space to put stuff. I- I'll say that. Um, okay, Abby, if you could
0: live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Spain. Spain. Where where in Spain?
2: I really liked Madrid. I mean, Barcelona was cool. I know everybody says Barcelona, but I like Madrid was like more of my vibe. I just like, I'm not a morning person. They stay out all night. Uh, they have like they they actually have like a balance. They don't like they don't burn themselves out. Like the pace and like the work-life balance is amazing out there. Like when I was I was there for two weeks. Uh, a couple years ago and I came back right for the start of devil's training camp and I had like an existential crisis I was like what am I doing I work (laughs) I'm about to work for the next like three months straight without a day off and here people are like let me take like a leisurely two-hour lunch I don't even get up until 10 11 a.m like I stayed out all night like it's just they actually like they like really enjoy their lives and I'm also not a morning person and they <laughs> don't like mornings either. So plus the food's great. And I enjoy going out all night. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. I think, like I think it's, your
1: yeah. that's got to be, that's got to be fairly common for people when they get out, get over there and they realize how great they had, like, like you said, people just enjoy themselves and then they come back and you know their brain just revs up again. That's yeah. I think it's something that everyone needs to kind of experience is, is to go out there and, and just live the way they do, like immerse yourself yep. in the culture because it's, it's kind of nice. So good answer. Karaoke song. What is your karaoke song of okay. choice? Okay, this is a good
2: one because I very much enjoy karaoke. One time I nailed every word to gin and juice. That'll never happen again. <laughs> I don't think that'll ever happen again.
0: can
2: we we find out um i just i think that was like a one time like i had just the right amount of drinks in me
1: just the right Um, amount of gin and juice in you to get it
2: yeah um otherwise i sing this is again california i went to college in long beach sublime what's another crowd pleaser that i've requested oasis wonderwall (laughs)
1: Oh, that's good. yes because everybody <laughs> sings it
2: yeah everybody sings it that's the key to karaoke like i feel bad for the bartenders because they're hearing the same 20 songs over and over again <laughs> every night but for the crowd there it's a great time you know everyone's singing along
0: were, were you at Gross. that 19th final abby uh the, the karaoke night in boston
2: no i switched back to the mets for a little bit during the final in 19
0: we, well another time carl i'll tell the, the story of that night and the entire fiasco around that cup final, which was chaotic for me. I don't another time. I don't want, I don't want to interrupt the uh, Abby's uh, Abby's answers to your stupid questions here. <laughs> All
1: right. Okay. Next we'll go with, do you have a least favorite team in hockey or baseball or both?
0: The least favorite
2: team.
1: <laughs> my favorite. T-
2: <laughs> Look, my favorite teams are the ones with the best PR staffs. <laughs> um, So the Anaheim Ducks get the Dillman Award every year from me. (laughs) Um, Least favorite team. I got to go with the Dodgers because I grew up a big Giants fan. My dad's still a big Giants fan. It's become like a fun rivalry in my family because my Nana is a huge Dodger fan. She used to watch them in Brooklyn and now she's in Southern California. So, uh, but unfortunately I side with my dad in that and I, Love the I love the San Francisco Giants and the Dodgers. I have so many friends in LA too who like I love to rib them about the Dodgers and their inability to create a dynasty like the Giants did.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and Dodgers fans can be insufferable. Not all Dodgers fans. <laughs> they the Dodgers. can, and I can
2: say that because I have so many Dodger fan friends, and I tell them that they are insufferable sometimes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Okay. If we're going with Dodgers and then last one is I need to make sure that this is stressed. You you're going to be selfish with this, but you've got a million dollars just handed to you. What are you going to spend it on?
2: Um, I would, that's a good question. Well, I'd probably pay off my debt. (laughs) (laughs) I would, I'd give some to charity. My grandparents used to help run an orphanage in Mexico. So I would probably give a large amount to this orphanage in Tijuana or South of Tijuana. It's called the door faith orphanage. It's my grandparents like pet project. And then I would buy a place in Spain. <laughs> I,
0: knew, I, knew, I, knew where, I knew that's where you were going with
2: this. I buy a place in Spain. Yeah.
0: Perfect. Yeah. I got, I got
1: to make sure I say the selfish thing. Cause otherwise like when I, when I think if, I, if someone's just giving me like a million dollars cash just to blow, I go like toys, you know, like, yeah i'm getting car and watch or something like that and then i get hit with like charity and stuff i'm like oh i feel like such a bad person i i I mean (laughs) yeah
2: that's like trust me i'm gonna buy myself some nice things but i gotta give a little (laughs) bit to charity um Uh, my grandpa my grandparents like they devoted like most of their retirement to traveling and charity and like they've been all over the world and i love to travel I don't donate quite as much to charity as them. I feel like I should, but I don't. You know, I don't have that much money. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. Good. Well, it's it's a really great answer. Okay. Now, just give me one sec here because I need to add all this stuff into my um, formulation that I have. Hot sauce. Nice. Spain. Madrid. Great job. Gin and juice. Nailed it on that one. Uh, that brings you to 141 points total, which. Sits you comfortably in the top ten. I think you're sixth, fifth, or sixth overall. And we've got, we've got how many? We've done uh, a lot of these, least, yeah. Yeah, over thirty now. So nice. That's pretty darn solid. Congratulations on your thank score, you. 41 points.
2: Very proud of that.
1: Should Congre-
0: Congre- be. Yeah. Congr- so you're it's Abby in the top ten. Kansas in the final four. Uh, Abby, th- Abby, thank you very much for joining us on All Cast.
2: Yeah. Thanks for having me. This was fun.
0: And for the rest of you, we'll, we will talk to you later this week.